Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 17th of January 2013. For newcomers, make sure you make good use of the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com. You'll see a bunch of sites listed there. Remember, they all carry audios for free download and uh, they all carry transcripts in English of a lot of the talks I've given over the years uh, for print-up. And if you go into alanwatchsentinel.eu, you can get transcripts in other languages. And also, too, remember, you are always the audience that bring me to you. And you can help me take along by buying the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com or donating. And remember, from the U.S., you can still donate or, or purchase using um, personal checks to Canada. And you can also use international postal money orders. You can use uh, PayPal or send cash even. Across the world, you've got Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal once again. And Australian nations are really, really seriously welcome. As I said before, I've seen said for years that the U.S. was to be used, basically, as a big stick across the world to standardize the world system into the one system that was set out over 100 years ago by the, the organizations that became the Royal Institute for International Affairs or the Council on Foreign Relations. They had their own agenda for bringing a world governmental system uh, run by banks at the top. The big banks would run the world. And it made sense because the guys who formed the Royal Institute for International Affairs uh, were all top bankers and moneylenders themselves, international lenders. And they decided to, to, to take over the world using the British Empire system. They already had taken it over, actually. And they used the military to smash uh, anyone who wouldn't give up all their property or, or their gold or diamonds in Africa and elsewhere across the world. Quite simple to do. And they used the, the British taxpayer to fund the military. And the military, of course, set up railroads across Africa, India, and elsewhere, where the masters who already owned Britain wanted them to go. And then again, eventually, it became clear at the end of World War I that Britain was so heavily indebted to the same bankers, by the way, who profited awfully well off the British Empire, that they decided to hand it over to the U.S. with a branch of the, their own organization running the United States, which they already had at that time with Mandel House and Sir Lord Grey that came over as a go-between between the Royal Institute of International Affairs and CFR. So the U.S. since then has been uh, hammering away other countries, standardizing the system. They've got to be on the same uh, central banking system under the umbrella of all the different uh, central banks across the world, under the Bank for International Settlements, which is the big one in Basel, Switzerland. And then the IMF, which was created too, would become the big debt collector and then rule the political sides of governments and so on in times of depression. So it's all been pretty well done and we're watching this, this agenda carried on across the planet. Another part of the agenda was destroying the old systems of uh, nationhood, uh, building new uh, blocks of countries to trade, free trade idea. And you couldn't just join free trade, you had to uh, adopt the whole system that already ran Britain 
along with it, what they call, they call it democracy, which is a, a very elastic word. But uh, remember, remember, America too was supposed to be a republic, and uh, they've all forgotten that. And again, going back to the early days of the CFR, Mandel House, and so on, uh, they, uh, they were the first ones in Wilson's presidency to use the term democracy over and over and over again. And since then, it's just been parted over and over again. And even Plato talks about different kinds of government. Democracy always leads to a form of communism and then dictatorship. And it's pretty well come that way, if you really look at what's happening in the world today. So we're, we're living through an agenda, a very old agenda, that is meant to benefit one group only across the world. And uh, it's going strong. They're almost at the end of it now. Back with more after this break. Folks, I'm back. We're cutting through the matrix, and if you look down through history, you'll find the revolutionary body that helped to cause resolution, revolutions down through time as well, all across the whole planet, often use certain phrases and to, to do with the time to start this particular part of the revolution. And it's interesting that Obama's um, bill, basically, for uh, all the, the gun confiscations and the banning of certain things and psychiatric involvement, all that kind of stuff, is called now is the time. That's a very, uh, very significant phrase to use for revolutionaries, for those who don't know that. Anyway, it says here, because it says that the president's plan to protect children. Here he is, he personally selects the bombing targets with the drones, uh, and he doesn't cry a, a tear for those people, but some I guess he's racist, you know, let's just say, say it like it is. It says, our communities are, are, are by reducing gun violence, it says here. And then they go on about the, the, the school shooting and all that. It covers nothing that you don't already know, although all the, all the details are still awfully confused and contradictory, so about that. But anyway, it says, most gun owners are responsible and law-abiding. They use their guns safely. The president strongly believes that the Second Amendment guarantees an individual right to bear arms but to better protect our children and our communities from tragic mass shootings like those in Newton, Aurora, uh, Oak Creek, and Tucson. There are four, uh, it says there are four common sense steps we can take right now. So there's more to come, obviously, you see. It says one is closing background check loopholes to keep guns out of dangerous hands. That's impossible. They come in, in ships, by the way, to the, with the drugs. And that's how they come in to, to Canada, Australia, Britain, and elsewhere. And it was in the hands of the crooks, the guys that deal with the drugs. Banning military-style assault weapons and high-capacity magazines and taking other common-sense steps to reduce gun violence, it says. And make, making schools safer and increase... Actually, your, your children shouldn't be in the schools. It would be a lot safer for them there. Never mind the stuff they're forcing it in their heads. Uh, little, little, little Fred might go to school and, and come back as Jane. This is increasing access to mental health services. So I understand that's a big one, that one, because, you see, government has always been in the business and always wanted to get to the, to the extent where they could use mental screening on all citizens. This is a step towards that, too. So they'll, they'll start it off maybe just looking for people who are applying for firearms, but eventually they'll, they'll go into all... Because Britain's already, Scotland's already doing psychiatric assessments from, on children. All, every, every year their lives are getting tested. And that was a big goal, too, of what was called the communist guys as well. So it's, it's going, going into the U.S. as well. 
And then it says here that uh, uh, closing background check loopholes and so on. It says require background checks for all gun sales. And it says the single most important things we can do to prevent gun violence and mass shootings, like the one in Newton, is to make those who would commit acts of violence uh, make sure they can't get access to guns. A critical tool in achieving the goal is the National Instant Criminal Background Check System, which was, was created by the Brady Act to ensure that guns are not sold to those prohibited from buying them, including felons, felons and those convicted of domestic violence. Over the last 14 years, it's helped keep more than 1.5 million guns out of the wrong hands and is able to make 90% of background check determinations on the spot. However, too many guns are still sold without a background check and too many individuals prohibited from having a gun slip through the cracks. We need to strengthen the system by requiring every gun buyer to go through a background check and ensuring the background check system has complete information on people prohibited from having guns. Then it says we should require criminal background checks for all gun sales. Right now, federally licensed farm arm dealers are required to run background checks on those buying guns, but studies estimate that nearly 40% of all gun sales are made by private sellers who are exempt from this requirement. A national survey of inmates found uh, that only 12% of those who used a gun in a crime acquired it from a retail store or pawn shop where a background check should have been run. Actually, that's not true either. Most of them have been stolen. Congress should pass legislation that goes beyond just closing the gun show this loophole to require background checks for all firearm sales with limited common sense exceptions for cases like certain transfers between family members and temporary transfers for hunting and sporting purposes, it says here. And then calling on licensed dealers and private sellers to do their part through executive action. Private sellers can already choose to sell their guns through the licensed dealers so the dealer can run a background check on the buyer and the administration is calling them to do so. The Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives will send an open letter to licensed dealers giving them guidance on how best to facilitate these checks and strengthen the background checks again. And, and so, and again too, for example, although the number of mental health records available to the system has increased by 800% since 2004, do you understand that defense now are getting your records and all your mental health data, whether you want a gun or not? They know everything about you. As a recent report by the Government Accountability Office found that there are still 17 states that have made fewer than 10 mental health records available. Well, you see, under the old rules and so on, uh, that any any uh, medical or mental health uh, reasons and, and and meetings with doctors or psychiatrists are supposed to be kept private. This is uh, we need to make sure reliable data on prohibited purchases is available to background check by system. The administration is announcing four new executive actions to enhance the system's ability to identify dangerous people and stop them from getting guns. Well, you know that anyone who obviously uh, says they want them for other reasons and hunting is going to be suspicious as far as you're concerned because they're trying to turn into a hunting thing. And, uh, and of course, too, as I say, two psychiatrists, uh, depending on what party they belong to, can give you a yay or an A as well because there'll be a lot of them, too, against firearms in the, in the hands of the general public. To address unnecessary legal barriers that prevent states from reporting information about those prohibited from having guns. Some states have cited concerns about restrictions under the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act as a reason not to share relevant information on people prohibited from gun ownership for mental health reasons. 
The administration will begin the regulatory process to remove any needless barriers, starting by gathering information about the scope and extent of the problem. And I think they've got something like $500 million to start with us. They're given out, by the way, to really ramp all this up and create all these new agencies. This is improve incentives for states to share information with the background check system, more centralization of government. States are a critical source for several key categories of relevant data and records, including criminal history and records of persons prohibited from having guns for mental health reasons. The Department of Justice will invest $20 million in FY213 to give states stronger incentives to make this data available. So bribery numbers. The administration is also proposing $50 million for this purpose in FY 2014 and will look for additional ways to ensure that states are doing their part to provide relevant information. Then it says hold federal agencies accountable for sharing reliable information with the background check system. Some federal agencies also have relevant records. The president is issuing a president memorandum holding agencies to require uh, to requirements that they identify those records, make them available to the background check system, and regularly report those that records are complete, complete and up to date. And then make sure that dangerous people are prohibited from having guns and background checks and so on. And, uh, and so on, so it goes. So, uh, banning military style assault rifles. Uh, military style is like a, like a military uh, rifle. Uh, it doesn't have to be one because under the, the military's definition, a, a military assault rifle can fire singly, singly shots each time you pull a trigger or, or fire two or three bursts or it can fire fully automatic. And these things don't uh, fire fully, uh, fully automatic, so they're not military assault rifles. And it says here, also need to provide law enforcement with additional tools to prevent gun violence and to freeze on gun violence research and make sure healthcare providers know they can report credible threats of violence and talk to their patients about gun safety and promote responsible gun ownership. Get military-style assault weapons and high-capacity magazines off the streets. A 2010 survey by Police Executive Research Forum found that more than one-third of police departments reported an increase in criminal use of assault weapons and high-capacity magazines. Since the prohibition on high-capacity magazines and assault weapons expired in 2004, to protect law enforcement and enhance public safety, we must redouble our efforts too. Now, all these things you can check for yourself and you find it's a bit fudgy because uh, firearm crimes has actually gone way down in the U.S. Reinstate and strengthen the ban on assault weapons and, and, and so on and so on. And then limit ammunition magazines to 10 rounds. The case for prohibiting high-capacity magazines has been proven over and over. The shooters at Virginia Tech, Tucson, Aurora, Oak Creek and Newton all used magazines holding more than 10 rounds, which has been prohibited under the 1994 law. These magazines enable any semi-automatic weapon to be used as an instrument of mass violence. Yet they are once again legal and now come standard with many handguns and rifles. Congress needs to reinstate the prohibition on magazines holding more than 10 rounds. Then finish the job of getting armor-piercing bullets off the street. It's already illegal to manufacture and import armor-piercing ammunition, except for military or law enforcement uses. But it's generally still not illegal to possess or transfer this dangerous ammunition. Congress should find, finish the job of protecting law enforcement and the public by banning the possession of armor-piercing ammunition by its transfer to anyone other than the military and law enforcement. Then give law enforcement additional tools to prevent and prosecute gun crime. 
In order to prevent and respond to gun violence, we must give law enforcement every tool they need. This is um, to keep us safe. Everything, all your freedoms and rights are, are taken from you since 9/11 to keep you safe. Remember. And meanwhile, there's, there's been more and more enemies uh, uh, created during the U.S.'s war across the whole Middle East in all that time that weren't there before because they've been rampaging through those countries. That includes passing stronger laws to stop those who put guns in the hands of criminals, keeping 15,000 cops in the street and limiting restrictions to keep federal law enforcement from doing its job. And you only find that uh, cops already uh, in a lot of cities are becoming uh, the brutes, basically. Uh, they're hyped up on steroids, too. You know, and they're rather aggressive, even to the ones who try and photograph what's happening. So probably they'll, they'll ban the photographing of what's happening, too. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix, talking about the big system as it goes on with the big agenda. The agenda actually goes way back to the 1960s and way before that too, when the communists were openly uh, trying to get Americans disarmed in the early 1920s. And there was lots of them in America at that time, and still coming in by the boatloads actually. But it's taken quite a while to get to where they want to go. And it says he also take executive action to enhance tracing data. When law enforcement recovers a gun during a criminal investigation, they can trace the, pass, the gun's path from its manufacturer to the dealer who sold it to its first purchaser. The gun tracing helps the law enforcement solve violent crimes by generating leads in specific cases and can reveal gun trafficking patterns when large amounts of tracing data are combined. Remember, these are the same guys who uh, were shipping in guns to the Fast and Furious thing into Mexico there. Uh, and um, some of them are coming back. This is a government doing it, of course. But some of them are coming back and actually shooting uh, law enforcement uh, officials. And also, too, remember, too, that uh, carry on in Libya, where that consul was uh, shot as well, or, or at least he died with this asphyxiation or whatever. And they found out he didn't, he didn't actually have a consulate as such, but the build, building they did have was this uh, CIA uh, operation where the U.S. was funneling massive arms shipments into into Syria to get the rebels uh, well supplied. I didn't think they asked for a background check on any one of these guys. And then it says here, then they want the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives to have a, a confirmed director. It says it's not had a confirmed director for six years. There's no excuse for leaving a key agency enforcing gun laws in America without its leader. It's time for Congress to confirm an ATF director. Eliminate restrictions that force the ATF to authorize importation of dangerous weapons simply because of their age. It says the ATF is required to authorize the importation of certain curio or relic firearms and outdated regulations include all firearms manufactured more than 50 years ago in the definition of curio or relic. But today, firearms manufactured more than 50 years ago include large numbers of semi-automatic military surplus rifles, some of which are easily convertible into machine guns or otherwise appealing uh, for use in crime. So it's, it's stripping the whole thing, and it's just a start. This is a, I'll put this up tonight to this is a PDF, and now is the time. The big, the big uh, comment. They're going. They're really, really going ahead with it, and. Um, and it says, end the freeze on gun violence research. So you got all the trick cyclists, you know, the psychiatrists and psychologists in on the acts, 
uh, I know we get well paid for giving the government what it wants to hear, because that's what government always does with uh, so-called specialists. But I'll put this up tonight, as I say. And and this article, too, is to do with um, how everything really in your system, in your world, is truly uh, micromanaged. Uh, to put on a show for you, the public, to believe. It, it truly is so. It, you understand we're run by massive, a massive parallel government that has foundations, multi-trillion dollar foundations that run thousands of armies of non-governmental organizations. But they also, and it's all to get political changes and uh, any excuse will do. I mean, they're using global warming, climate change, and so on. That's a big one they can't let go of because they put, they put, they, they hit on that in the 1970s and through the Club of Rome, that idea to change all the way we all live in life and we think about things and to allow uh, a massive bureaucracy to manage our lives from birth to death. So they ain't going to give it up. But even the, 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 your, your mainstream media, like um, the BBC, which has been caught so many times in so many con jobs before, apart from diddling, diddling little boys and girls, and probably still is for that matter too, but they've also been caught uh, in propagandizing the whole climate change issue. And it says, Secret 28 scientific experts who greened the BBC. And it says... Uh, uh, a list of attendees at a climate change seminar the BBC has spent tens of thousands of pounds trying to keep secret. It's true. They spent tens of thousands of their taxpayers' pounds uh, to keep secret. has been unearthed on the Internet Archive. The listed names emerged after the publicly funded broadcaster fought off requests for the list under the Freedom of Information laws. The story is surreal, and it's only tangentially, tangentially about climate change. The disclosure raises questions about the evidence submitted to the Information Tribunal by the BBC and Helen Broden as Director of News, who stepped aside this week. The case also highlights once again the BBC's corporate strategy of using freedom of information derogation or legal opt-out clause to withhold a wide range of material from citizens who wish to know whether the BBC is fulfilling its statutory obligations under its royal charter. Well, believe you me, it has been fulfilling its, its obligations because it, it's helped to bring their culture down to the pits uh, with masses of sex and violence. And uh, they've done it awfully well for its whole existence, in fact. And remember, too, the BBC was first set up by the British government to, as a propaganda force. It hasn't changed. That's his purpose, so they do it very well. It raises further questions about the effectiveness of the BBC Trust. The Trust, which replaced the Board of Governors, was created with a mission, an unprecedented obligation to openness and transparency. Well, well, we hear that all the time. Uh, All this transparency is like frosted glass in a bathroom toilet. It says, as yet to inquire into the corporation's use of FOI derogation to withhold data such as the BBC's U.S. tax contributions, website statistics and strategic policy-making decisions. The seminar whose attendees that the Beeb sought to keep secret was birthed by three organizations. In 2004, the International Broadcasting Trust, which is a lobby firm funded by a number of charities, the big foundations again, including many involved in campaigning on climate change, devised a first and series of seminars and development issues where the lobbyists could address broadcasters. In other words, that's when they got the BBC on board with it. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. 
Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and reading an article about the BBC that was greened by special scientific experts supposedly to get them all on board. So after all, you've got to get the public brainwashed. You must make sure that your major TV stations are giving out the propaganda. So this article goes into the history of it and who is behind it and so on. Uh, and what's interesting, too, is this article, uh, this part of the article says, In the Newbury case, the BBC maintained that archival material on the seminar could not be found. These are the seminars where all these specialists got together and all the big funders and so on to, to sway their opinion, get them all on board or bribe them, whatever. But it, says, but it also should not be found, it says, as a backup argument, argued that the seminar was held under, listen to this, the Chatham House rules. Chatham House is the headquarters of the Royal Institute for International Affairs, this private organization that runs the world. And all big foundations are members of it, see. An agreement of etiquette says, rather than a law to prevent quotes being attributed to particular speakers at a meeting, information that Newbury did not seek. So I'll put this article, the whole article up, it's much longer, and it goes into this incredible uh, technique of propagandizing and, and working on behalf of greening, etc., and carbon taxes and yada, 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 all the stuff that's to control your lives, which is all bogus. And also about tonight, too, it says many people believe that the Federal Reserve is an organization that operates the public service, but there are not many out there who realize that this is a for-profit business. Of course, there's nothing wrong with providing a service while turning a profit, but there's something wrong with the usual, with using the government to monopolize a vital aspect of society, forcing the whole society to use a particular service, whether they like it or not. And it goes into what the Federal Reserve actually makes, but the mid last year, supposed to be at least $90 billion in profits alone, so, and uh, I'm sure it's a lot more than that, actually. Also, Iran, 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 you know, uh, th- this is a, an article I'll put up too, it was first, you can get it in audio as well, but you hear Kissinger talking about uh, about Iran, and, and uh, not Kissinger, sorry, Brzezinski should say, he's, um, he's talking about the U.S., and how bad it's going to be if the U.S. gets really heavily involved in attacking Iran. What he does want, though, is, is a, a clear policy on Iran. Is that there's many other ways to negotiate and work with Iran than just simply having us invade it. So he gives you all the reasons why perhaps that invasion is the wrong way to go. I'll put that up tonight as well. And now, what part of the, the, the idea, as I say, at the end of World War II, even before actually, by a certain group was to destroy nationalism in every country uh, under the United Nations. And um, part of the, the idea would be to, with, along with free trade deals, would be to also to allow eventually unlimited migration of immigrants, especially ones from really opposing cultures, to destroy the existing cultures. Then they say, well, nationalism won't arise again, and then they can't go to war, because they'll have nothing to rise up for. You, have, you won't think much about the country you're in. That's very simple, isn't it? And this article here it shows you how far it's gone. It's been so well done in Britain and good some parts of Europe uh, that it's just incredible. A lot of history to it, too. If you find the different groups, it's always the same groups that came forward and pushed for multiculturalism. Always the same groups. And it says here, and it's not generally made up of the immigrants, by the way. But it says, our minister's too scared to say what they know about the next wave of migrants in Britain. 
And it says, uh, are we heading for an unexpectedly large new influx of immigrants as happened after Poland and other Eastern European countries joined the European Union in 2004? There are good reasons for believing we may. Before Poland became a member of the EU, the Home Office famously predicted that between 5,000 and 13,000 Polish people would come to Britain every year. Within two years, 264,560 had arrived. According to official figures, hundreds of thousands more followed. At the end of 2013, all restrictions on Romanian and Bulgarian nationals entering Britain and working here will be removed. So that's coming up. It says, how many should we expect? This time the government is not supplying an estimate. But reading between the lines, it seems the figure may be high. Communities Secretary Eric Pickles shows what it is, but won't tell us. He doesn't, or he knows what it is, but won't tell us. He doesn't want to start a scare story. He does, however, admit that the influx is going to cause problems, not in just in terms of housing market, but also in the social housing, also on the, the, the social housing market. David Cameron is no more forthcoming. He says he doesn't have real confidence in the estimates. Well, implying that as soon as he does, they will be released. Well, that won't happen either. It says, well, it will be before or after all restrictions on Romanians and Bulgarians coming here have been lifted, he doesn't say. All this seems pretty disgraceful. Surely the government has a duty to provide British citizens with a reasoned view of what might happen. If the figures are flaky, Mr. Cameron should quickly get some solid ones. But the inescapable inference is that the government has information which it thinks might shock us. As it happens, the pressure group Migration Watch today published its own figures which look convincing. It estimates that between 30,000 and 70,000 Romanians and Bulgarians will come here every year for the next five years, suggesting an annual central estimate of 50,000. It added that the number could be considerably higher if there were to be a movement of Roma to the UK. And there's a lot more than it too, but to understand that was part of it. For those who don't understand the whys, it's because of uh, uh, those that set up the United Nations and the idea being too the end of nationalism for all countries. And anybody who has national fervor for anything is called nasty names, as you can well see. And um, and it's not to help the country either. They've got so many problems now in these countries. It's not they're bringing in a lot of people who have skills or professions and so on. There's a lot of them coming in who have done at all. And they go on welfare as well. But it's got a different purpose to, to fulfill. And it has been pretty well done. Pretty well. Also, this article too is excellent. It's called Brutal Britain. And it says, there's no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. It says, this is from Hosea, an old true saying. It says, by swearing and lying, killing and stealing, and committing adultery, they break all restraint with bloodshed upon bloodshed. Therefore, the land will mourn, it says. And it says here, this, the website is dedicated to showing how brutal Britain is becoming today. It gives the lie to those who maintain things are no worse than they have always been. It shows a level of depravity unimaginable 10 or 20, even 5 years ago, and it's getting worse. And it shows you different pages. It says, uh, it gives you Elton John becomes a father for the second time, 2013. Uh, 2013, majority of members of parliament indicate they will vote for same-sex marriage, England wills. Uh, 2013, Una Crown, 86, is murdered in a brutal assault in Wisbech. It says, uh, Kofi, uh, C-O-F-E, will be sued over gay marriage. Human rights law undermines, or as it says, Cameron plans. And then it says, uh, 2013, EFIT of suspected glass and bleach attacker released. Married women use adultery websites. 
Superhead, who, that's thanks to the BBC too, the whole culture industry. Superhead, who had sex obsessions with Marion Secretary at school, went berserk when she ended the affair. It's, it's showing you examples, like if they're examples of, of examples of what Britain is today. It says, library poll asked children as young as six if they have had a sex change. Look at a library poll. Uh, immigrant mothers may be aborting unwanted girls as the ministers admit practices going on in Britain. And this is mixed response to Cough E decision to allow gay bishops. And it's with a scandal of 744 foreign crooks on the run in Britain. Uh, soccer thug run, turns his back on violence and starts life as a woman. This is Great Britain. Police hunt sex attacker who could be as young as 12. And it says, Scots, it says 999 crews are under attack every day in Scotland now. The ones that answer emergency calls, including ambulances. And, and it says, happy, clappy, and out of the closet, evangelicals would say being gay is okay. Then gay sex needs to be taught in schools, regardless of what members of parliament think. Uh, and that's what they were treated like dogs waiting to be put down. Son of couple put on the death pathway where they're killing the elderly. Blast decision to withdraw treatment. And there were actually reports in, in, uh, by politicians, as a church and also the ministers to warn witchcraft is thriving in Wales. No wonder it's all the movies are out there. And demise of the nuclear family. British children are less likely to live with poor parent, both parents than in any other major Western nation. And also attacks on people's honest convictions are an assault on free speech. And it's got a hospital that left patient to starve death and another unwashed for 11 weeks. 11 weeks, folks. It's the National Health Services Obamacare coming to America. Forced to pay £400,000 in compensation. And same-sex pension ruling to cost £90 million after former cavalry officer wins landmark legal battle. And sex abuse doctor to jail for 11 years. He was into a lot of these patients. Christopher Morrison admits ASDA sex attack on boy. Uh, Stay-at-home mums are nearing extinction. And the failed practice of female mutilation. Then child sex rituals of pagan pedos. And says Britain's vote in favour of same-sex marriage. Public backs PM on gay marriage, but says he's doing it to be trendy. Uh, sexy Christmas, a whole bunch of... A lot, I'm only at the very top of this, actually. There's a lot of links sticking to all these different things that are happening and stories. It's quite fascinating. But it's true, it's brutal Britain. It's the end of the road, you see, because the culture is smashed. And it's getting smashed even further. Still, that's the big agenda. I mentioned yesterday about uh, horse burgers and uh, in, in Britain too. It says that's really bad news. Horse burgers aren't the only nasty secret in the chill cabinets. Our trust in the big supermarkets is badly misplaced, writes Joanna Blythman. Supermarkets selling burgers with horse meat should come as no surprise, it says. It says the news that some of the Britain's favourite supermarkets have been selling horse meat has come as a shock to many shoppers. And it says in their advertising campaigns, uh, the, the big retailers boast of meeting the customers' needs through their rigorous quality control and delight in telling us which particular farmer produced the produce comes from. Following scandals such as the BSE mad cow outbreak and the, the great salmonella scare, they also now trumpet their adherence to food safety throughout their supply lines. Meanwhile, shoppers are assured that rigorous regulation on labelling means we know exactly what we're buying. 
dodgy meat like the sale of contaminated eggs was meant to be a thing of the past in the brave new shiny world of mass retailing. Yet the revelation that several of the country's biggest names, including Tesco, uh, Lidl, uh, Iceland and Aldi, uh, have been selling beef burgers that contain horse meat should come as no surprise. But the fact is that our trust in the big supermarket chains is badly misplaced. Well, advertising overcomes any sensibilities, isn't it? Says the sheer massiveness of the scale through operations is a central part of the problem. The industrialization of the food supply driven by the big retailers and reflected on everything from mass factory farming to the vast distribution networks is bound to lead to corners cut and standards compromised. It's, it's monopolization of everything, folks. And the government's in it too, putting all the small farmers that have been doing it for since the 1940s. And it says the big supermarkets put relentless pressure on the suppliers to give them the lowest price possible. And the big suppliers respond in turn by downgrading the quality of meat and using cheaper ingredients. And it's not just supermarket customers who've had horse meat on their plates recently, but at least diners at the Lescargot Blue restaurant in Edinburgh knew what they were eating. It says owner Fred Berkmiller has been serving horse steak for two years, usually raw. He was sorry yesterday he had none available, given the interest sparked by the contaminated supermarket burger story. Supply is not easy because our horse meat comes from France and we certainly not use just any horse, he says. Our, ours are bred by farmers in the Languedoc region from a rare breed, especially for eating. At the restaurant, a steak tartare de cheval is a starter costing less than £10. It's made of minced fillet of horse mixed with raw egg, chopped onion, and so on and so on. Anyway, this is in France. By contrast, they eat their way through 70,000 horses a year. Horse meat also remains popular in Italy, sometimes as a sausage or in a stew. In Japan, horse sashimi, served rare as a delicacy in much of Kazakhstan's national cuisine, is based around the flesh. Then it goes on and on and on about it, but it also goes into the chemicals that they add into all the food that you're eating too, such as soya protein isolate, that's in every, all the stuff they call meat today. Preservative stabilizers to hold together, such as diphosphates, triphosphates, sugar, malt extract, pepper extract, beef fat. And this is given such a cocktail of chemical and synthetic ingredients, it's little wonder that some suppliers felt they could get away with sticking in a bit of horse meat. That's not the first time it's happened, too. This happens every so often. But these big monopolies are awfully wealthy and awfully powerful and awfully well-connected, folks. Now, this is about Alaska, it says here. Uh, it says HB69, it's a House bill from House Speaker Mike Chennault, was introduced the same day President Barack Obama unveiled a package of executive orders and legislative proposals aimed at curbing gun violence. Obama's proposals include background checks for all gun sales and so on. And it says, uh, Chennault says, tragedy isn't a license for federal encroachment on constitutionally protected firearms. His bill would deem unenforceable federal laws, orders, rules or regulations that seek to ban or restrict ownership of a semi-automatic firearm or require a firearm magazine or firearm accessory to be registered. So they've, uh, they've jumped the gun, you might say, uh, knowing what was coming down and they're trying to stop it. And also tonight too, it's an article on, I've got an article on geoengineering and it says, um, Global warming is geoengineered using chemtrails. Rosalind Peterson is California's president, co-founder of the Agricultural Defense Coalition. The ADC was formed in 2006 to protect, protect agriculture from a wide variety of experimental weather and atmospheric testing programs. 
Ms. Peterson also founded the California Skywatch in 2002, when she began researching atmospheric testing and weather modification programs. The two websites are separate entities, but are linked together by issues listed alphabetically in the categories section. So I'll put this one up tonight as well, because uh, it's really good. I'll also put up aircraft as well. Dot com because uh, they're up high on, on watching what's happening as well. They're very vigilant, so I'll put these two articles. But this first one's got PDFs and so on. You can download as well to see what's going on with uh, experiments, as they call them. And talking again about the culture coming down, it's in all countries. America is way ahead too. Uh, Britain, way ahead and, and destroying all culture. Everything's a, a laugh today, doesn't matter how, how foul it is. And how degrading it is, and destructive it is. It's all a big laugh, and the people become the beasts that are meant to be by the guys who produce these kind of shows. Monkey see, monkey do. That's what people do. They emulate. And no surprise, not all the scientists at the top in neuroscience know this. But here is um, the BBC's new new thing too. This great, wonderful this agency that's so upfront about things. They've now got a suicide comedy show. Isn't that wonderful? As BBC Three. This is an MP, a member of Parliament, has criticised the BBC for planning to air a situation comedy which treats assisted suicide as a matter of fun, reports the Sunday Express. It's called Way to Go. It has three young men building a machine that can kill people. Isn't that great, folks? This is the, this is the gutter trash that they're giving you now, which also will get folk debating and say, oh, well, maybe it's a good thing, you know. Your, your mind isn't your own anymore. Hasn't been for a long time. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix, reading an article about the BBC putting its... Everything comes out under entertainment, especially through comedies. It's the easiest way to get things across that are controversial. And uh, and eventually they become your opinions down the road. And this is about assisted suicide. And believe me, assisted suicide is not just about assisted suicide. They want to go further than that. They want, remember, to decide who gets born at all in the future, the very near future. I read that report yesterday by Prince Charles, who's still at it again. Too many of you, there's too many of you. And that's a very old chant, goes way, way back with the early eugenicists and, and their calls and so on. So this is only part of it too. And plus, the big boys who own you all, lock, stock and barrel through their money system, uh, they, they want to cull a lot of you off too. And, um, and so it's, it's not just about money. Uh, but the guys with the money certainly run the show of the world and all political agendas, there's no doubt on that. But it says here that the way to go, it says three young men who build a machine that can kill people and they offer their services for money to those who wish to end their lives. It's written by US-based writer Bob Cushel and stars Blake Harrison, Mark Wooten and Ben Heathcote. And then a conservative member of Parliament, Mark Pritchards, has slammed the sitcom and planning to go out on BBC this month, he said. It's a sensitive and complex issue that could be handled with compassion and understanding. Sad fact that assisted dying is now regarded as a revenue stream to some foreign clinics and clearly as a matter of fun by some parts of the BBC. Well, the BBC is a bunch of pervs anyway, in all kinds of ways. In one scene, the lever of the machine is pulled to inject a fatal dose and Harrison's next-door neighbour dies in a matter of seconds. Later, This is entertainment. Later, a friend phones from a pub with another client for the assisted suicide machine. He tells him he's got stomach cancer. How fantastic is that? 
So, and you'll hear all the, the morons that have been really debased, the ones who've really been debased already with the previous cultural uh, degradation put out by the experts. Uh, they'll, they'll all have belly, belly roars at that too. And BBC Three controller Zai Bennett said Bob Cusho's scripts are in turn dark, poignant, absurd, moving and brilliant, but mostly they're very, very funny and I'm thrilled that Way to Go is coming to the BBC Three, says the BBC controller. And comedy producer John John Plowman's responsible for shows such as The Office in Little Britain says Way to Go is a show about current and difficult issue. Well, see, there are a, a, a so-called trend they're putting out to a current and difficult issue. It's a political social agenda, folks. And that's the job of the BBC is to get it out in every way that they can and to make it light-hearted in a sense and get you all laughing at it until eventually it comes into there. Remember, the government wants to have the right to, to decide who lives and who dies and who gets born. Don't ever, ever lose track of the real agenda on any of these things at all. It's awfully, awfully important. And also tonight, too, I'll put up an article, it's called, uh, this is quite a funny one, a U.S. employee, a U.S. employee, uh, it was a bit, uh, uh, took some initiative, and he outsourced his own job to China. A security check on a U.S. company's report revealed one of his staff was outsourcing his work to China. And he was lying back and letting the money come in. The software developer in his 40s is thought to have spent his work days surfing the web, watching cat videos on YouTube, and browsing Reddit and eBay. He reportedly paid just a fifth of his six-figure salary to a company based in Shenyang to do his job. I tell you, he's, he's gone places, this guy. This guy's gone places, you know. He'll get picked up for, for that with this kind of initiative, eh? Well, folks, uh, it's a sad state of affairs to say the world, because you understand your whole culture, everything you think, all your opinions are given to you, the movements that you join are given to you, and, and um, it's unfortunate, very unfortunate, that there's very few individuals out there who want to reclaim their own minds. It's a bit of work, it's not hard to do, but you've got to really want to do it. From Hamish from the South Frontier, Canada is good night to me, your God, or your gods go with you. <laughs>